welcome to the very first episode of the Bindman's Archive series. I'm John Crocker, Managing Partner at Bindman's LLP, and I'm delighted to say that today I'm joined by Sir Geoffrey Bindman. Welcome, Geoffrey. It's great to have you here. Let's dive straight in. So in your opinion, what's the most significant case you've worked on? Well, I think that probably the, in some ways the most important case in, in almost in, in the whole of legal history is the Pinochet case. General Pinochet was the dictator of Chile and he had led a coup against the elected socialist government in 1973. Well, in fact, September the 11th, he was the commander in chief of the armed forces and the, the military led by him mounted a coup. They flew airplanes and bombed the, uh, the presidential palace. And the president, Allende, died in the bombing raid. And then the military took over Chile. And they were in incredibly ruthless. And they killed a large number of people. And they tortured people and so on. And there was a world outcry against Pinochet and his regime. And I got, I got interested in it because I was working with Amnesty at the time. I was the chair of the Amnesty Lawyers Committee. Just soon after the military coup, the Labour Party, which was part of a, a European group of Labour parties, it was called the Socialist International, in fact. They decided, Socialist International decided to send representatives to Chile because they were said to be putting on trial the leaders of the previous government had all been arrested and taken to a prison camp. So I was asked to go to Chile. This was in January 74. So the military coup had taken place about three months before and the trials hadn't taken place. Nobody knew when they were going to start. But the idea was to have representatives from these European Labour parties to observe the trials. So I went with somebody who worked in the Labour Party head office and we were introduced to the various people who were kind of uh, underground opposition and we were able to meet various people who were in hiding. We were taken by the families of some of the former ministers who were in the prison camp. We were taken to see them in the prison camp. And we stayed there for a couple of weeks trying to find out when this trial was going to take place. And in fact, it didn't take place then. In fact, it didn't really take place at all. But we spent quite a bit of time just simply learning what was going on. And we were helped by the British Embassy there. And we managed to actually help people who were on the run to escape Chile and get refuge in the British Embassy, other uh, European embassies. And then, of course, I came back and went back to work. And then as time went on, I got to know a lot of Chilean exiles. And I was very interested in what was going on in Chile. And then I made other visits to Chile. I was, I was asked to go and be an observer at an election in Chile and so on. And then when this is going forward quite a long way to... 1989, I think, Pinochet, who was still in charge, he was still the dictator of Chile, he came to England. He came to England a couple of times, and I tried to have him arrested when he was in England. And a couple of times, we didn't succeed. We actually went to a magistrate to launch a private prosecution. We went to Bow Street to try and get him arrested. 
when he came over to visit an arms fair and he got out. The magistrate wouldn't give an order straight away and it became public knowledge, so he left the country. But then he came over for medical treatment and he was in the London clinic, a private hospital in Harley Street. And the Spanish government were trying to have him arrested because among the various people he'd murdered and tortured and so on, a number of, there were a lot of Spanish citizens. Spanish government were very keen to arrest him and put him on trial. So they asked for him to be extradited to Spain and he challenged that and there was a high court hearing in which he claimed he was entitled to immunity because he was head of, he was no longer head of state. He had ceased to be the head of state, but he had been head of state when the military coup occurred. So he claimed he was entitled to, to immunity and went to the high court and very rapidly and without much publicity. And the then Lord Chief Justice said he had immunity and he, he was released. But the Spanish government, who were represented by the British government, in court. There was an extradition treaty with Spain, so the British government was obliged to represent the Spanish government in seeking his extradition to Spain. So I was asked by Amnesty if anything could be done to intervene in appealing, to appeal this decision. So I think this was already at the divisional court level, and our next appeal was to the House of Lords at that time. So I contacted the House of Lords on behalf of Amnesty and asked if Amnesty could be allowed to take part in the appeal. And the House of Lords agreed to that. So appeal took place to the House of Lords against Pinochet being granted immunity. And that led to a long hearing when eventually the House of Lords agreed with our arguments that he didn't have immunity because he was no longer a head of state. He had ceased to be a head of state. And um, he couldn't claim immunity even in respect of things that he did while he was a head of state. So then there was an extraordinary, very an unprecedented thing happened, which was that one of the lords who had taken part in that decision, Lord Hoffman, was challenged by Pinochet's lawyers as being biased because... Uh, and there was some substance to it because Hoffman happened to be a director of a charity which was supporting Amnesty. So they claimed he had a conflict of interest. He shouldn't have sat in the Lord's appeal. And therefore the appeal was null and void and, and had to be heard again. And uh, the Lords agreed with that. They said they thought that um, Hoffman shouldn't have sat. And so they had the hearing all over again with another lot of judges. But fortunately, we won that one as well. So Pinochet was not immune, and he was fit to be extradited to Spain to stand trial. And the procedure then was that the case had to go to the Bow Street Magistrate Court for the magistrate to decide whether to make an extradition order, which he did. He made an order that Pinochet should be sent to Spain to stand trial. I mean, for, you know, numerous murders, tortures, and so on. And under the procedure that existed then, and, and still does, as far as I know, an extradition is always subject to agreement by the government, in particular the Home Secretary, he or she, has the power to decide whether an extradition can go ahead, even though an extradition order is made. There was a 
tremendous effort by Pinochet and his supporters and his lawyers to establish that he was medically unfit to be extradited. And they produced various medical evidence. We produced contrary medical evidence. But eventually, the Home Secretary, who was then Jack Straw, decided to cancel the extradition and allow Pinochet to go back to Chile, uh, to go back home. He was released and sent home. Where, in fact, in Chile, people started new proceedings against him. So he didn't get off scot-free and he died not very long afterwards. What would you say made this case so significant? The real importance of that case was it was the first case where a head of state had been brought to court to face trial for crimes against humanity, torture, murder, and so on. And since then, there have been a couple of other head of state cases. It hasn't really taken off as a, as a huge international, if you like, weapon against torture and abuses of human rights, but it, it's, had a, it's had an impact and many people regard it as the most important international law case. Could you tell the listeners how long the whole process took from when he arrived for a medical treatment at Harley Street? I would say about a year. He was, he was released on bail, so he didn't spend any time in jail. He was allowed to live in a house. He only actually appeared in court once, and I was present. I was actually sitting about three feet away from him, because I was sitting immediately in front of him in the court. And he was brought into court in a wheelchair, because there was a big pretense that he was ill and so on. It was all nonsense, because when he got back to Chile, after this all happened, he kind of sprinted across the airport tarmac and got out of the plane. It was all fake. He appeared in, in court only that once. I think it was to renew his application for bail. When he was asked to state his name, and he then stated his, not only his name, but he gave a whole long list of his wonderful achievements and his head of the army and head of the government and so on. Extraordinary, brutal character. Thank you, Geoffrey. Join us next time as we continue to explore Byman's cases that have set precedents and advance the law. 